welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. We have a special guest with us today, the author of the Living Blade series, Tamandra Whitecastle. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hi, guys. (laughs) So we have listened or we have read the first book in the series, Touch of Iron, and gone through three episodes of it. Tamandra, I hear that you have you have listened to two of them, not the third one yet. So we'll we won't talk about any of our our crazy stuff from the third episode yet. <laughs> but, well, there's a um, lot of crazy in that part of the book. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was our longest of the three episodes that we did because there certainly was a lot to talk about there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, so I guess first. Um, Kind of in a, like how in a normal interview you might give a little background. Could you, I guess, just give us a little background on how you got into writing and that kind of thing? Um, I'll try, like without uh, too many words. So um, <laughs> my name's Tamandra Whitecastle. Uh, I'm uh, I, I'm a dual nationality, German and English. So my mum's German and my dad is English. And I grew up in England, which is where the accent comes from. But I'm now in Germany. And I write dark fantasy. Uh, it's something that I, I've always enjoyed reading. So like making the, that final step to actually write my own original stuff uh, definitely came from that love of, well, this is great, but like, where are all the broken female <laughs> main characters? Like, you know, if you've read uh, Joe Abercrombie's um, M stuff, which I, I really, really liked, uh, like the first law stuff. And there's this great character called Logan Nine Fingers. And I'm like, well, but why isn't there like a, a female berserker character <laughs> like does all the terrible things and makes all the terrible decisions? And so I thought, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that character. <laughs> great. That's a, that's a good way to do it. I think that's kind of why we got into podcasting. So, <laughs> See? Yeah. It's the same. It's like the, the creative, uh, you know, I think it's, it's if, there's this terrible thing that moms always say, and I, I'm I'm a mother to two kids, uh, but it's like this garbage in, garbage out. But you can turn that around and you can say like, well, if you have good input, like if you put good stuff into your mind, ears, brain, whatever, <laughs> then actually good stuff comes out again. So, you know, it's a creativity. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's a um, good thing that we're talking to you then. Maybe we'll get some good stuff in for once. Oh. <laughs> Who knows? you've read my book though (laughs) (laughs) yes we know it's going to be good (laughs) um so we we, dan and i when we do these read-throughs and talk about them we pretty often focus a lot on characters and kind of ridiculous thoughts on character motivations and all of that kind of thing uh, one thing I'm kind of curious about is, do you ever, when you've, you're pretty far along in this, I think you've written three books in this series. Um, do you ever come back to your first book and the way that you wrote a character and kind of have a different perspective on that character now? And then, and like, maybe you were wanting someone to be a total, like, badass or something like that and then you come back and you you don't think that he is anymore or something like that does it does that ever change over time and do you like wish that you had written him differently or or her differently in the at the beginning um that's a really good question i think uh i think i had this huge luck that with book one i i pretty much knew what the characters were supposed to be and so it was just sort of trying to um, have the 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 writing skill to actually capture those personalities and and getting them down on paper but i i do have sort of like there are two people that i sort of regret i'm not regret but i i think i could have done that better like the one is actually owen i'm like ah i i could have so things happen in the next two books that you probably haven't read, but um, I'm like I could I could have done that like a little bit better, but um, yeah, it was my first book, so. 
and um, and Shade, who was uh, who's always a big favourite of mine. And I was like, oh, maybe I could have made him just a little bit more, even more awesome <laughs> and even more likable. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was too focused on Nora and Diaz, which is yeah, my bad. <laughs> well, they're definitely central characters to that story so it makes sense that you'd be focused on them so i have a question that's probably not nearly as good of a question but i am definitely considerably interested in and whenever so whenever we have a race of sentient beings that live for a very very long time i always think about if i lived for that long what is a perfectly useless skill that i could get really good at in the course of maybe a hundred years of just practicing this skill. So if you lived as long as a, as a white, so a thousand years, mm. is there one kind of pointless skill that you would get really, really good at? <laughs> um, well, my kids, are, they like to, they like to collect stones and twigs and stuff like that. So what I, I think if I'd really have to pick a useless skill, then it would be like whittling. Just like, you know, taking all the <laughs> the fallen twigs and stuff from the trees and so like, just like, yeah, making like little ornate, like these beautiful little sculptures and getting really good at it over like a thousand years. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like very elven, but, you know. <laughs> right, right. Saying so you can have like the art nouveau kind of figurines in the end. Like in the beginning would be like just like this very crude, like this is the head and this is the body. But then yeah. afterwards it would be like yeah, I'm getting good at this like after five hundred years. Yeah, you can get pretty impressive with that kind of thing, I bet. <laughs> right, right. Like day one you're picking up a twig and saying, Look, it's a snake and yeah, exactly. day year one thousand you've got like full scenes and things like that. Absolutely. Like, I also think it would be funny to imagine at the end of your thousand years you meet, let's say you die and there's a deity that greets you in the afterworld and, and this deity says, uh, well, what did you spend your thousand years learning to do on the planet? And you pull up a little twig that you've carved into a <laughs> into some this? kind of figurine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like that's, that's what you live for. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, I dug up a, a article that I think you wrote around the time you were finishing up the second book. And that's oh. one that you reviewed your own book on. Oh, um, <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but I was going to ask, what kind of authors or books... I, well, so you outlined a few kind of traps that a lot of authors fall into in the fantasy genre. Um, do you have any authors or books that don't really fall into those traps that are that you really like reading? Or if you want to, which we would be excited about, you could talk about people that do fall into those traps that you really don't like. <laughs> um. Oh well, I have a. I have a few issues with certain tropes that I guess lots of people actually really, really love. So that's always like, a, it's really hard because it's subjective. Um, like stuff that I don't like might be exactly the stuff that other people like and vice versa. Um, I do have trouble with... So there's this one thing that always bugs me and it's like when people go well but it's epic fantasy and that means you know if the books aren't door stoppers well then you know I'm, I'm not going to pick them up and um, it's like but why why would you want to read a thousand pages of boring shit oh I'm sorry can I swear <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah definitely. Okay. <laughs> it's like you know, why would I want to read that and spend like hours and hours and hours of time if the story, like, I mean, the bar that you set for yourself when you write these like huge epic tomes, it's like this has to be a thousand pages of freaking awesomeness, right? Because otherwise, it's just going to be boring. And why would you want that to happen? You know, like, why would you want to bore your readers? And that's it's one of those things where I'm like, if it's 
if it's short but really punchy and, and, and well written and I'm, you know, I'm fully there from the first page to the last page, that's awesome. That's what I want. And then I don't really care about how long it is. But some people have this idea, oh, well, if it's if it's not got, you know, 500 pages, then it's not worth my time. It's like, what? <laughs> of course it's worth your time. That's that's a stupid trope. And one of my least favorites is the the chosen one. Um, but mainly because it's been done so often and mm -hmm. it's really hard to put like a fresh spin on that. So it's usually the chosen one is, uh, is a Luke Skywalker lives on a farm somewhere, but he's actually, you know, the prince of the universe. And it's obviously he's got to be a man, um, and then, you know, goes on to save said universe and, um, gets the princess in the end of, but then she turns out to be a sister and oh everything's shocking but you know that would be that would be like dark fantasy or grim dark fantasy yeah, but yeah. um but it's sort of yeah I'll, I'll give you an example like um that mostly everyone who's ever read fantasy will probably at least have heard of there's this book series called harry potter <laughs> uh and uh, also done by fellow british author jk rowling and um this it's this. It's like a combination of all the things that I really, really hate. <laughs> it's like, oh god, it's magical score and it's chosen one and um, good versus evil. And I'm always like, I I understand the appeal for so many people because it's so nice to think about. Well, if there's only one good person and they can spin around the whole entire you know society structure, that's great. You know, it's like yes, he heroes. That's what we want. But it's really there's like something inside of me that's like, but that's not realistic. Like that's that's not how society works, and it's not how people work, and it's not. It's like, Plus, I'm a teacher, so magical schools with me is always like, oh my god! It's like this <laughs> this staff is just so, the Hogwarts staff is just like so ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> what are they doing at this school? <laughs> so, we're not going to do the end exam. They're like, yay! Gryffindor has won, so we're going to cancel all exams. I'm like, are you fucking nuts? <laughs> That's not how exams what? work. That's not how school works. <laughs> so, there's a dangerous psychopath killing people left and right, but hey, it's cool. You can go home now. It's like, um, no, that's not a good idea, Dumbledore. It's like, and it's especially not good to invite these people into the school where you've got all these, you know, minor children and, uh, well, yeah. But that aside, like, um, the chosen one trope is is I, I what I would have loved to see in Harry Potter if if J.K. Rowling had done this like if he'd it, so he's the chosen one but he's the chosen one as in he's the counterpart to Voldemort so what did Voldemort do well he started to recruit people to his side and then you know the the ultimate evil was that so many people bought into his well, basically racism and, and, and horrible, you know, pure blood issues and all this kind of stuff. Like, so if you need to have a chosen one to go against that, then please have him like spearhead a social movement that actually stands against racism. Mm. And, those, like, and you get the inklings of that happening in the books like um it, towards the end with um like Dumbledore's army um where Harry teaches the other students or you have like in the end we have the order of the phoenix and everyone sort of fighting so so it's sort of there but it's in the end like evil is you know overwhelmed by uh, a boy sacrificing his life and I'm like, like that's just <laughs> yeah okay so we're going to do that one again yeah <laughs> so it's... <laughs> It's but, not like know, the greatest so, lesson for children. Exactly. It's like, yeah. So what you have to do to save the world is die, but it's okay <laughs> because you'll be resurrected because you're special. <laughs> it's like, right. um, this is not a message you should be sending to kids, but you know, um, <laughs> it's hard. a bestseller. Yeah. Everybody loves Harry Potter. So it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, I best just, I best just shut up about it and not, like too ranty and angry about this. Oh no, this is definitely the podcast for that kind of thing <laughs> because I'm hearing a lot of echoes to a conversation that Luke and I had recently about superheroes yes. and 
how superheroes present this very similar message that one person can solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So rant away. Um, but that's like, oh yeah, I, I, I hate that trope. And it's like, I hate magical school because I'm always like, that's not what teachers are there for. <laughs> and the other thing is like, chosen one is just like, oh no, please, please no. <laughs> so we don't need another hero punching Adolf Hitler in the face to know that Nazism isn't a good thing. It's like, <laughs> please show it. Like everyone standing up and punching him in the face. That would at least be something different, you know. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, when we have when we have J.K. Rowling on the pod, we'll we'll bring You'll up those her. criticisms. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's a bit beyond any uh, hearing of criticism. Actually, so, uh, <laughs> there, there's this thing that's going around on Twitter um, where they had like a, um, a nobody, you know, says nothing. Yeah. <laughs> J.K. Rowling comes with some kind <laughs> of a new revelation about you know. Um, Hogwarts and, and the muggle world or the wizarding world and it's like right. no one wants to hear that <laughs> but yeah but she's insanely rich and you know that's what insanely rich people do it's like yeah. they have the freedom of speech and can just say everything which is which is awesome like please send me monies and then I'll just say <laughs> everything that's on my mind as well <laughs> or attention JK Rowling if you'd come on the pod we'd love to have you please yeah <laughs> We'd love to talk to you. <laughs> um, okay, so whenever I read a story that has somebody that can see the future, it always like provokes in me this question of whether or not I would even want to know that that person existed. Yeah. Um. And so I guess this question has two parts and you can choose which one to answer. Um, either would you, if you could see an event in the future, but not change it, would you choose to look at, a, at an event and which event would you choose to look at potentially in the future? Or would you rather not know if somebody could see into the future? Hmm. Hmm. Well, it kind of depends. Um, hmm. if it's something if it if it was something happen like something to do with me personally or people like around like my kids or um, you know, family oh. and friends and I, I probably wouldn't want to know because I'm just like oh but what if it's bad <laughs> <laughs> right right so uh, and best not to ask that person what the future's going to bring it's going to be like surprise oh the bad <laughs> thing happened but at least you didn't know before right, right. Um, but I think in, in general like, because we have people who can sort of at least predict the, the general direction of the future so we have uh, you know, people like scientists who say well if we keep on doing this thing then this other thing is very likely going to happen soon and no one listens to them. So, you know, maybe it's just sort of, <laughs> you can have a, a character like uh, a Cassandra who actually, you know, warns the, the city, like, this is, you know, the Greeks are up to bad shit. We should not be <laughs> accepting any presents from them. And, and, uh, and no one listens. So, right. you know, it's sort of like uh, maybe predict, being able to predict the future, the worst curse about that is that even if someone were to listen to you they probably wouldn't believe you or wouldn't take action so, yeah, so that's always a, a difficult thing and and the other thing is also like um there's this idea that we have with predicting the future um that has like this there's this time travel element so uh if you if you go back um, 200 years or 300 years and you knew you know industrial revolution would, was going to happen and um, then would you, you know, would you start investing? When would you start investing in Apple and, you know, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, would you write it down so that your, you know, uh, your family actually does the right choices and, and all that kind of stuff? Um, but it's sort of like it's this idea that you could, with small things, you can actually have an outcome. Like you could change the outcome of the future, which you then possibly know because you're you're a time traveler. You come from the future. 
But then I'm like, but really, we do that every day. It's like the only difference is that we don't actually know what the future is going to bring. It's just like, but every small action could potentially have like far reaching consequences. And we just mindlessly go about our daily life, you know? So it's sort of like, maybe even if I would know the future, I'd still do the same thing because, you know, that's, that's how people are. It's like, we just, we just do the stupid (laughs) stuff because it's easy and we're lazy and yeah. (laughs) Dan and I had totally went (laughs) (laughs) well. Dan and I actually had that a little bit of that debate. I think in the in the third episode uh, Uh, when when Serana comes into into the book, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna transition a little bit to that setting, and that's we we talked a lot about the setting of the throne room and other things like that. I'm I'm curious how you come up with settings like that. We we talked a lot about it, the setting being built by a character like Serana. I'm mm. curious as to whether you like get inside her mind and how she would build her throne room or or if you have a picture in your mind and make it work or or however you do that. I well, I hmm, what do I do? I don't know. Um <laughs> We, I'll, I'll tell you, we were very, <laughs> we were very impressed with the imagery of the throne room and uh, how well it matched Serana's personality. I think, I mean, because she's, um, so what I had, the idea was that this was a temple that was has always been there. So it's it's probably like it was probably built by whites like ages and ages and ages ago. So it has the same sort of. Um, like foundation and layout as uh, any other white temple in the world, but then that she would make it her own, like she'd she'd put her own stamp on things, and and so it was definitely like, um, well, this is a woman who is very, uh, very centered in herself, like she's absolutely convinced that she has the truth, like t- capital T truth, <laughs> and so she would probably you know, assume for herself this um, this very dramatic and very centered um, throne room so that as soon as you walk into those doors, you know this is the lady and she's, you know, ruling over every single aspect of every single person's life. And, and I, so I think she's a bit of, she's a drama. drama. <laughs> and so that's definitely, I, I, I actually went, because... I know, uh, I think I know how that room looked uh, for her predecessor, like the the person who was in charge of the temple before she came into power. And, you know, um, I I know how the temple, like that room and the temple looked before she came, became, and then it's sort of like, it was just fun to see, well, what would this person do? Like, well, she would, you know, she would paint it all black and have like (laughs) gold and just like have like, this very striking and she'd probably like change the uh to have like this the rays of sunlight hit exactly yeah. you know it's like yeah because she's uh she's very theatrical and, and, and is very aware of the performance of of her character and um i just i really like that <laughs> it's uh it's uh, it's fun to have a really nasty person have this sort of um well you know attention to detail <laughs> but it, it's got to be exactly right you know it's like <laughs> so yeah. it's a it's it's a fun thing yeah definitely she definitely fun. has style yeah <laughs> yes we had fun too luke had to bring me around but eventually we both got to where we uh we really like that throne room um something that uh, we noticed about this book that it was a little bit different from the other books we've read is the characters curse a considerable a considerable bit no. about more than <laughs> in some of the other books that we've read. Um, not Lies of Lacklamora, but then some other books we've read. Um, do you have a favorite curse to use in real life or in the book? And now this can be a spell or a word or phrase. Either one is fine. It's actually funny that you say that because in in real life I don't actually curse, <laughs> mostly not at all. Like, yeah. um, because on the one hand I'm a parent, so I don't want my kids to 
uh, repeat these words. So I, I uh, make very conscious effort not to use them. Um, and I was a teacher for a very long time, so the same principle applies. You can't just stand in front of a classroom and go, like, "Fuck." <laughs> Oh, I mean, you can, but then you pretty much all it's there in the stress office. So that's sort of, um, it's it's one of those things that probably, maybe I was just like channeling all the repressed fucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to put them all into this. But I did the, I did the whole, oh, who's the author who does this? Um, there's this, uh, well, you have these sort of made up curse words. Um, I, I can't remember now. But it's like, it's fantasy, so it's like, uh, um, you know, a blooming night or whatever. And yes. it's, it's supposed to be like a really strong, heavy swear word. Or, and, and I'm like, but that's not, it doesn't feel, it feels like a very cheesy and cheap thing to do. So um, it's like, normally... I would like a normal grown up in this situation, they would probably say fuck or shit yeah. or, you know, bitch or whatever. So let them say that. Don't, you know, make up these weird fantasy um, curse words and, and, you know, to, to just put the, put the fucks back. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, because it, it does, it sounds like, do you remember um, the old Batman um, series where you're like, holy smoke, Batman? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know what you really wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just, it feels, it feels weird to me. So I just, I, uh, I did go back and, and change all my, oh, holy, you know, whatever, um, body part is particularly unholy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then just sort of, you know, okay, I'll just put fuck in here. And then that's, mm -hmm. that's actually, but yeah, I don't actually, don't actually swear a lot. So yeah. I actually relate to that a lot. 90% of my curse words are on this podcast, <laughs> which is an interesting choice considering this is the most public I get, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, same. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 have, I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> I have, uh, we def we noticed, and obviously everyone else probably noticed this too, it's a very sexy story, very sexy book. And um, we've done a couple books that tries to do this kind of thing well. And I think in both my and Dan's opinions, it has not. Um, but I think that your book really did that well. And I'm I'm curious as to how how you were able to make or were, were you worried about making this like sexy story without making it kind of cringeworthy yes <laughs> i was very worried <laughs> we 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 talked about this a lot with uh the name of the wind king killer books oh yeah um yeah but exactly <laughs> are there some things that you think you'd did to prevent that from happening or you think you just yeah did you like run it by like run a line by somebody or something oh um i well i mean i do have a story editor so um, okay, i yeah. definitely um took full advantage of that and i also <laughs> have uh, uh beta readers who who went over and uh, and they're thankfully they're all women so <laughs> <laughs> they they they've read a lot of um good romance and bad romance novels and so uh they were like oh yeah no this is actually quite good so that was but it's um it's really there is an art to <laughs> writing really good sexy <laughs> times and it's 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 a really hard thing to do and um uh you know i i always have so much respect for for the for the for the authors mostly women authors but but they they sit and crank out these novels like and it's so hard. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. Like, they write four or five books a year and, and then they're like, they're all good. And, but they, it's like, wow, how do you, how do you do that? It's so, it's so hard. Like it takes so many hours to get that scene together. And then, oh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I was very worried. <laughs> but I think it's something that you should see more of. Like, um, it, it's, it's, um, uh, who Sam Sykes does this as well. I don't know if you've read um, his 
uh, his books, um, but he 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 also has like a lot of emphasis on on romance and and sort of like falling in love plot lines um, for his characters because it's such a universal human thing, and I think it's such a shame. I guess I've read lots of fantasy books, and and most of them are. Um, I mean, you do get a romance plot line in most of them, but it's not like super effective. <laughs> <laughs> or, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard. So I definitely had the the idea. Well, well, if I'm going to write this, then it's got to be you know, it's got to be at least something that I would want to read myself. So it's got to be good. And I was very worried, very very worried. Oh. Okay, before we get to games, uh, I so Luke and I have come up with theories about the book, and we tend to come up with theories about a lot of our our books that we read. I'm curious if you have either heard a theory about the Living Blade series that you thought is really good, and you've thought, oh man, this is a wonderful theory, maybe I should include it in a later book, or if you've heard a theory that is just so hilariously bad that it like stuck out in your mind and you want to like you could share that with us. I can't actually. <laughs> I'd love to be able to, but um, I don't really have uh, I don't have that kind of feedback. So what I did get was like um, a lot of questions as to, well, uh, well, then who is um, Nora and Owen's like, who are their parents? Like. <laughs> Uh, that's something that people have sort of um, emailed me about, and they're like, "Well, but, you know," um, and I never really say in the books, so I don't want to, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I deliberately left it out, so because I'm just curious to. I always usually even ask, "Well, who do you think?" You know, and then <laughs> they go off on this. Oh, but it must be, it must be Bashan who. And I, mm, this is nice, interesting. Yes. It's not. It's not Bashan, but it's a, it's a cool no! thing. <laughs> oh no! Did you lose a bet? Oh, man, Rock. this is the first. I think this might be the first time that we've been definitively disproven for one of our theories, Luke. Oh no! Then you have to cut it. Yeah. Well, this we won't put this in. <laughs> yeah. No, most of our no. I think we we've had a lot of them. We're our theories are terrible. Our theories are pretty bad. When we when we did this uh, interview with with Mike Shell and Dan asked that question of whose theory was really bad, he picked one of our theories. So, <laughs> so that's um, that's not the first time. <laughs> no, but I, I get that question a lot. Like, is it is it Bashan? And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, no. <laughs> but you know, it does make sense. Yes, I I did. Um, I was playing around with the thought of, well, maybe I should just make him their dad because that would just be just be a, a great thing to do. But then I was like, nah, nah, nah. Well, it goes <laughs> nah. It, it goes along with part of I I theorized about that in one of our episodes, and part mm -hmm. of the reasoning was because fantasy books usually have exactly the kind of chosen one the trophy chosen you were talking about so super... it makes sense that you would leave that out <laughs> it's like oh but you know they must be because it's like the uh it's the it's a bloodline that's important and blah 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 it's and, the skywalkers yeah. yes i'm like this is interesting <laughs> you know in the end it's like no no it's that uh, that's that's not my book like you won't find um you won't find the skywalkers in my book <laughs> Although I do love some Skywalkers, so. <laughs> Luke, do you have any more questions, or should we move on to games? Let's let's get some games. Yeah, I'm let's excited. Get some, some even more lighthearted stuff in here. So the first game is, would you rather? But it's themed for Touch of Iron. Okay. So we're gonna ask some questions, and which one would you rather do? And we can if. You know, we can either go through them quickly because some of them might be obvious, or we can have some little debates on them. Okay. Um, I'll 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 start us off. So, Nora gets in this fight with this mountain bear, and she also gets put in this empty cistern under the super hot sun. Yes. So first, 
Would you rather get eaten by a mountain bear, but you get to cuddle with him first, or turn into human jerky in an empty cistern, but with that one book you've been meaning to read but haven't had the time for? Oh, oh that's hard. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Mm. I, I love reading. So. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I'm also not good with heat, <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have the time to actually finish the book before dying of dehydration. <laughs> so I'm going to go with mountain bear. Okay, <laughs> not a bad choice. Which is, That's... you know, probably faster as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe it depends how hungry the bear is. <laughs> exactly. So maybe if he wants to cuddle a bit too much, then but yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, would you rather have tea with Diaz in while he condescends to you the whole time about the choices that you've made or have dinner with, and this is actually a name we, we came with two different pronunciations of. We went with Kaya, uh, but she can read all of your thoughts during the meal. Mm, I'd love to have tea with Diaz, <laughs> but... Uh... I'm not so keen on his condescension, actually. Um, so because my thoughts are always pure and lovable and chaste and good, uh, I, I probably have. Um, well, I don't know. That depends on the meal, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's um, if I don't have to cook and it's really, really tasty and good, then then definitely. Well, I say kala because um, it's it's like. Um, there's a there's a lily a, like a, a species of lily that's called a kala, um, and so that's that's that was because I'm not good with names. <laughs> well, I, I just stole for her name. <laughs> but but Kaya or oh, Kaya or Kaya would actually be a really nice name. I should have I should have done that. <laughs> well, you can say well, you did. Yeah, exactly. That's it's the new it's a new uh, absolute definitive pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Exactly. All right. So would you rather have the ability to use water magic like Master Kumi, but you're only able to create cool ice sculptures and you live in the desert so people really need the water for other things and aren't really impressed, or be a seer that can only see three seconds into the future? I've always loved to be like channeling my inner Elsa, which would be awesome. Um, but I don't, I don't like deserts very much because again, the heat. So um, yeah, like I definitely, I mean, three seconds is okay. <laughs> so Not you, bad. Can, you can see that you're going to trip in the next, you know, three seconds. So you can maybe prevent your fall. Or, oh, that's a good point. So. That's a huge issue for me. <laughs> so see, then we'll go with that one. <laughs> so that was an easy one, Luke. Shoot. Well, we've got a. We I think we've got a pretty tricky one here. Okay. So, this is about two of the different objects that you have created for your world, but we've tweaked them a little bit. Okay. So, would you rather be able to bathe in the cauldron of a rune, but it makes you smell like a cheap motel hot tub every time you use it, or would you rather have the living blade? but it makes a fart noise every time you swing it. <laughs> um, uh, hmm. <laughs> well, my kids would be delighted to have a farting <laughs> blade. Um, <laughs> oh, the farting blade. We've even got a new name for it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome, though? Someone should write that book. <laughs> um... Oh, um, hmm, 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 hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm going to go with farting blade, actually. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that's, I that's think now excellent. that we've named it, we have to go with that one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. That's going to be my next trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read it. <laughs> okay. have magical schools and, and uh, kids that um, have lots of fun with uh, uh, magical swords as well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, seeing as we've already started naming some some artifacts, I feel like we should maybe talk about um, 
some of these artifacts that Luke and I have have created that maybe you okay. would want to uh, include in a potential future future world. Yeah. So, so we've we've tried to name some of them and want to get you know some professional advice. We can talk about names of them, um, but but let's let's describe them first. Dan, go ahead. Okay. So long ago, when gods still walked the earth, early peoples warred for dominance over the land. Those people who worshipped the god of mirth prayed for a mighty weapon with which to defeat their foes. She heard their prayers and sent them a beautiful and terrible head covering, the likes of which the world had never seen. When worn, those who gazed upon the wearer were compelled to laugh uncontrollably. Thus this tribe was protected from harm and passed this hat down from generation to generation. It is known as... See, this is where we're having we're having some trouble here. Yeah. yeah that is, um, I I really I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly my my one of my biggest problems. Is like um, I would be trying to write something and then yeah, I have all this backstory and it's like oh this is going to be epic and I'm sat there and I'm like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Um, I'll call it the thing and then just you know. Yeah, trying and come to back to it. <laughs> All caps to be changed later. Exactly. So I, yeah. I do square brackets and then just put the city or <laughs> the temple. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. But um, hmm, hmm. So an ancient head covering. Yeah. Makes people laugh. And we can oh. we can try to think of what it would look like. Like I'm picturing. You know, a circular wide brim mm -hmm. um, with a little. Oh, I, I was picturing one of those propellers on the top, one of the classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or just a snapback that has the monster energy drink logo on it. <laughs> um, we, I mean, there are some spectacularly ugly, uh, like woolen hats as well. So. Um, I've seen some pretty hideous combinations, <laughs> especially on other kids. In <laughs> well, Not maybe those kids. are just my the parents. Have tasteful hats. <laughs> well, but Good. you know, the kids don't really care too much about their hats. No, other no. kids aren't critiquing them about their fashion, no. and so maybe the parents just want to have some fun and make their kid look a little <laughs> definitely. silly. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But then. Um, so I'm going to be very original. I'm going to say we'll call it the silly hat. Nice. Nice. <laughs> the silly hat. <laughs> Love it. Of your. Of your... <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> yes. Think, yeah. This, this next one, Dan and I, I think, came up with a working title. Mm -hmm. But I'll start it off to, to paint the picture. Long ago, when God still walked the earth, there lived a mighty warrior. No one could defeat him, and this man grew arrogant in his power. One day, on his way to, f on his way to conquer another local tribe, in his hubris, he trampled right through a humble farmer's honeydew patch. This farmer prayed to his God to help him defeat the mighty warrior. Knowing this man to be true of heart, the God heard his prayer and gifted him a pair of soft woven foot coverings and told him whoever wore them would never lose a fight. The farmer donned these powerful articles and challenged the warrior to a duel. The warrior scoffed but accepted the challenge. The ensuing duel has been called the Revenge of the Melons, but the artifacts which granted the farmer victory are now known as Still Unknown. Oh. And Dan, what was our, do you remember our, our working title? Well, we were thinking something like um, the Lucky Socks or... The uh, the fighter's stockings. Mm. Um, but how like are they long enough to be stockings? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> you know, the legend doesn't say how long these foot coverings are. So I mean, that would have been awesome, by the way, by from the god or the deity who gave us <laughs> this farm, it's like these long, elegant stockings. <laughs> Um, just a pair of fishnets. Yeah, it's like you know you can clip them on in your garter, which uh, 
you always have um, the, the garter of chastity, which would be excellent. Uh, but mm. um, yeah, it's, mm, mm, mm. this this one's tough because it's epic and heroic and won a battle, so it's got to have like some kind of it's like the woolen sock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Just go go really not significant so that <laughs> so that uh, everyone underestimates them. Absolutely. So yeah, you're, that's you're smart. Like, oh, that's, uh, that's just, it's just a sock, you know. I don't worry about it, you know. Right. No one's going to steal the woolen sock, so you, exactly. you're pretty safe there. And also, yeah, the next generation can then say, march onto the battlefield in the woolen sock, and like everyone will be like, oh, he's forgotten his armor, and then, you know, decimate the army. So <laughs> I like it's it. It's a strategy. That's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, naming is not my forte. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we've got one more. Okay. This is the last one we promise. Okay. Long ago, when God still walked the earth, a minstrel traveled the lands playing music and performing for the people. Though she had a heart full of song and the enthusiasm of a golden retriever, she had the voice of a dying alley cat and the dance moves of a 40-year-old dad at a cookout. Everywhere she went, the villages rejected her, and the only money she ever made was from people paying her to leave. One day, while crying in a forested glen, a goddess heard her lament and pitied her unfortunate plight. The goddess plucked a large reed from a nearby stream and fashioned it into an instrument of such beauty that even the most tone-deaf musician could enthrall an audience of thousands. She gifted the crying woman this instrument and set her forth to entertain the world with this, the... Hmm. Now, this is this is where we've got to come up with a name for this beautiful instrument. Luke and I kind of workshopped this one, I think, a little bit more. Luke had a had a pretty good name for it um, when we were coming up with with objects. Uh, Luke, what did what did you call this artifact? I'm trying to remember. I think it was the I think it was the oboe of desire. Oh yeah, yeah, the oboe of yeah. desire. Mm-hmm. But that one, but, that one we've fleshed out a little bit more and are kind of just wanting to get your opinion on. And so does it have to be an uh, oboe or does it have, like, hmm. I mean, it would stop us singing, which is excellent. So, <laughs> so we're going more direction, um, you know, uh, something that she has to put into her mouth so that, you know, <laughs> we can't actually hear her, her sing. But I, actually, how about... And so this is my Zelda influence, but what about an ocarina? Okay. If if we do like a, this is the uh, the the ocarina of desire. That'd be much more effective for travel, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> An oboe would be a little unwieldy to be a traveling minstrel. Yeah. yeah. And play. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the same. It's the same. Like you, you need the breath, and you need the, you know the the air, and it's um, it's not like a, it's not like a ukulele or something, but. <laughs> It can sound very beautiful. I, I, I've I've heard ocarina players actually play their ocarina, and it's it's not bad. <laughs> Perfect. Although I will say, if I would probably have a similar reaction to someone if they pulled out an ocarina or a ukulele at first. <laughs> at first, yes. Obviously, I'm going to wait and see how good they are. Yeah, yeah, uh, and there are some who you know. They can do things with the ukulele, which is like, wow. Like, I right. didn't know you, you could actually do that with that instrument. But um, <laughs> yeah, only has four strings. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty impressive. But there are others who, yeah, four strings is already too many strings. <laughs> many, many others. Many others. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, We've got. Like yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. We've got we're, one more game. Okay. This one, this one, I think, is going to go pretty smoothly. This is going to be in Touch of Iron. We get this hint of the pilgrims having the ability to travel around and lay down the law, mm. which is people coming up with petitions or whatever and asking them for, I guess, a ruling. Mm. So Dan and I have a few petitions we'd like to submit to you for okay. a ruling. Um, the first is that in my neighborhood, 
people have started decorating their yards with these fake death pits because they're so in style right now. Um, I think it's dangerous and in poor taste. Can, do you think we can get a ruling on, tr- on trying to get these these out of here? Yes, they, they definitely need to because it's a it's, it's a hazard. <laughs> it needs to be taken off of the lawns. You know, uh, people could stumble into them and and like poke out their eyes. That's that's not a good idea. So uh, definitely, yes, they have to, yeah, but they have to be removed. But it's my yard. Who's to say you can come into my yard and tell me what to do? <laughs> well, I mean, remove them for now. I'm going to be gone in a couple of days. Don't <laughs> and I won't be coming before next year. So, you know, give me your dead to bury and I'll, I'll say a few words to those who want to marry and then I'll, I'll be on my way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, so I'm a local merchant, Mm -hmm. and I sell a variety of soaps and conditioners for people. But what I've found, no matter where I go, is that the whites always smell so much better than everyone else. And I'm trying to get their secret, and they refuse to sell me their incredible perfume. How do we get them to trade with us? It's unfair how good they smell. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. But um, unfortunately, this might not be known to you because it's a secret. Uh, but the whites actually have the, the smell. It isn't actually perfume. It, it sort of like emanates from their skin. So the only way that you could actually get the smell from their skin would be if you go. <laughs> do, do you oh, don't worry. Just... I'm I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> okay. well, we're on it. We're on it. But you know, um, the whites are also our friendly neighborhood whites. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't go around. Um... <laughs> and you know, I know their tattoos are also very beautiful. But uh, tattoos on the skin of whites uh, are not to be taken for decoration purposes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, leave them on the whites in question and then maybe you know you will have a long and uh, and happy life for a human <laughs> so you're so you're saying to carve around the tattoos when we get the when we get the skin yeah i think that's going to be really really hard because <laughs> most whites that i know uh are actually very heavily tattooed um mm. so maybe if you could maybe persuade a white to sit in like a bath of alcohol mm. so that their smell would like leach into the alcohol, maybe. Mm. But they're That's not an expensive very friendly. <laughs> they're not very friendly fellows <laughs> to begin with. So uh, you might uh, find this more difficult <laughs> if they're still alive. <laughs> Well, I think okay. you've given us a good yeah. place to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's what I live for. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay. And this is, I work, okay, so I work at the Temple of Fire. Oh. And all the clients that come through are, you know, the, the weirdos that are, everyone knows are super into brothels. Mm. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of wanting us to, extend our clientele to to more of the average jail who's kind of embarrassed to come for a visit Mm. can we can we find a way to like give people a reason to come and maybe tell their friends that they're going and taking classes or something when they're really just coming to hook up with hot chicks Mm. Hmm. so like how can we market this to people who would like to come but don't want to tell their neighbors and friends that the reason they're coming? I think we could get a much a much better clientele that way. Mm. Hmm. Well, my my thoughts are like a really a really nice community college kind of thing. Well, we like the temple does have fine arts, so there are dancers. And, you know, uh, probably there's lots of uh, sculpturing, like people um, you know, taking the stone and carving them into beautiful uh, ornaments. Um, 
yeah, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I could, you know, and we also have like lots of um, herbal remedies that we have on offer. So there's like, a, we could do like a community kitchen and everyone sort of comes together and, <laughs> and, and brews their local you know, craft beer with special ingredient mixing. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I bet you could get pretty good little knickknack gifts for, for people there. Little statuettes, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the the small fire lord, so. <laughs> whittled into. <laughs> yeah, whittled. Yeah, you, yeah, nice. <laughs> you could get some some souvenirs for people and be like, "I was at the temple yeah. fire, thought of you the whole time, <laughs> got you this." <laughs> yeah, that that really would help yeah, yeah. with this problem, Luke. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. So I was at the t-shirt, uh, the tunic. I mean, I was at the fire table, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. No, <laughs> t-shirt. That's perfect. perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you for indulging us in our <laughs> in our ridiculous games. <laughs> we You're we very welcome. <laughs> I, I I had a laugh myself, so that's that's awesome. Okay, good. I think we are all out of questions. Um, okay. Do you have any any? Well, at, at this time, we always let people uh, plug whatever they're working on. Is there any? Is there anything we could uh, follow you on or or figure out things that you're you're doing? Um, well, I always say that like, the best social media to find me at is probably Twitter. Uh, so I'm at Tim Whitecastle at Twitter. But um, you can also, uh, I'd much rather prefer that you sign up to my newsletter at timandrawhitecastle.com. And uh, that's sort of like my main hub where I, I do actually regularly <laughs> send out at least a monthly email to let people know what I'm working on right now and uh, when the next publication is coming and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm definitely, I'm working on something right now and uh, it's something entirely different from the Living Blade. Uh, and um, if you sign up to my newsletter, you also get a free novella called Blood Witch, which may or may not feature someone who you already know if you've read Touch of Iron. Okay. Wow, I like it. That's a good I plug. Like <laughs> yeah, so yeah, sign up to get a free book. <laughs> well, tamandrawhitecastle.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, put that in there. <laughs> uh, once again, thanks a lot for doing this. We really enjoyed reading the book. Um, we'll definitely be checking out the next one on the wheel uh, sometime in the near future, I'm sure. Yeah. And, uh, Hopefully you survive the rest of the heat wave in, in Germany because I know it's pretty bad out there. It's, it's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about Europe is that you have to understand is that we don't have um, air conditioning. Like the oh, shops no. have air conditioning, but homes don't have air conditioning. So there's like you stay inside, but it's not really that much better inside. <laughs> so yay. <laughs> It's so hot. Let's eat ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already do that, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. And then uh, I hope you enjoy On the Wheel or uh, pick up your free novella of Blood Witch. Yeah, we definitely will. Thanks again. Thanks again to Tamandra. We have a couple of items just to wrap up. First... We will be taking about a two-week hiatus. Um, so after this episode comes out, we'll be gone for two weeks, and I think we'll, we will be back on the 25th will be when the next episode is released. 25th of July. 25th so, of July. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll hear from us, well, today, which is the 4th. Happy Independence Day. <laughs> but... Yeah, the next time you'll hear from us will be the 25th of July. You know, this is a great opportunity if there's a book we read and you didn't have time to get to it when we were going through and you wanted to stay current, go back and read that book. Check it out. You know, we've got a lot of, a lot of material for you to listen to. 
So you don't have to leave us just because we're going to be taking a little break. <laughs> Good point, Dan. Good point. And for that next episode, we have an exciting book that we're, we've chosen to read. We are going to read The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie. So the first section of that, you'll read before before the 25th and and get excited for some for some of our analysis on it. Yeah, we heard Tamander's excited about it. We thought, yeah, why not? We could do that book. So, I mean, don't fret, because there will be plenty of more hot takes. And a lot more of us acting like dumb nerds. Yeah.